Question today. What is a Christian? What is a Christian is the, is the question I want you to think about. What is a Christian? If we were to bring in a room full of people in here, not church people, just general people to come in, and we would ask them, what is a Christian? You would get a variety of answers. They wear ties all the time. You would, some of them might be adjectives. They may not be good things. They might say, I don't know, they're boring people that don't like to have fun. They might say they, they won't go to the movies. They might say they hate gay people. Not true if we really look at it. Well, it depends on what Christians you're talking about, I guess. They are very judgmental. They blow up abortion clinics. They wear a cross around their neck. You would get all these things from what the world sees from the outside looking in. They don't drink alcohol. They don't use foul language. Some of them are pretty, start getting pretty good. And we might say, well, yeah, yeah, that's, that could describe us. That could be us. The truth is, is there is no agreement as to what a Christian actually means. A Christian, what does Christian really mean? That is why you have Christians on the Republican side. You have Christians on the Democrat side. You have Christians that are independent. During the Civil War, the American Civil War, there was a big fight, a big war, where thousands of Americans were killed. The North against the South. Did you know that both of them thought they were doing God's will? Both of them thought they were fighting for the right for the right cause for God. Some say they were fighting over slavery, others were fighting over states' rights, and the fight keeps going on. Until today, I hear discussion about the Civil War in the late 1800s. The fact of the matter is, Christian has Christianity, or the word Christian, has many brands, many flavors. Here recently, I've been listening to more and more rap Christian music. Veronica has been listening to rap music in her office. And not my favorite cup of tea, but if you listen closely, you hear the words of Jesus come through. You hear God speaking to people through rap music. It has many music genres. It has many branches. It has so many ways of looking at Christianity. Some say, you know, I was a Christian at one point. But I was disappointed about something they did or something that happened in the church or whatever that might have been. And you know what? I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian anymore. Is that even possible? Can you become a Christian and then no longer be a Christian? Were you even a Christian to begin with? Is that a fair question? What is a Christian? In the Bible, the word Christian, not Christ, Christian is mentioned three times. And the three times is mentioned, is mentioned in a derogatory way. Like somebody would call you today a Bible thumper. Now look, there goes a Christian. That, that was a thought. Or perhaps in Spanish, como nos dicen hermanos, aleluyas, hermanitos, little brother, look at the little brother over there, or look at the, look at the hallelujah walking over there. That's how they say it in Spanish, people from the world when they see you carrying a Bible and you're going to church, 
Ahí va, aleluya. Praise God. Call me that all day long. I don't, I don't mind that. And we'll see how that plays out in what I'm presenting to you today. In the Bible, the word is used three times. In the New Testament. And, and that was non-believers calling the people that follow Christ, Christians. Christ follower. Oh, there goes a Christ follower. The guy that died on the cross. They, they believe in that. Can you believe that? It was meant as something demeaning or, or looked down upon. Let's open our Bibles to Acts 11, 25. Acts chapter 11, it's in the New Testament. Acts chapter 11. And here... Chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. It says, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was for a whole year they assembled. They started getting together, and they were coming together, and they taught for great many people. There's a whole bunch of people that are coming to the understanding, wanting, they're hungry, wanted to learn God's word. A great many people and the disciples. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. A little bit of background here. Up until this point, chapter 11, you have to, you, I mean, if you haven't, you have to read the book of Acts to understand how the church started. To really understand what, what went on and how God continues to work in the same way today in many aspects. So until this point, guess what? Jesus spent, after he died, after he resurrected, and before he ascended to heaven, he spent 40 days, 40 days with holes in his hands, with a, with a hole on his side. He's resurrected, the resurrected Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days. You look, you can find that in the first chapter of, of Acts. And there he taught them the, the things of the kingdom and he taught them things that I wish I could, I could sit there. If I could go back in time, I would like to spend those 40, 40 days with Jesus. Though During that time, I want to know what he said. So many things that were said to the disciples. So up until this point, that meeting has happened. Up until this point, the Holy Spirit has come. Another event in chapter 2. The disciples are together and the Spirit comes upon them and empowers them. And from there, it's, the church just blows up, goes in every direction. They got so many languages that they received at, that, at Pentecost. The persecution immediately begins. They start laughing at them because they have the spirit and they're speaking in weird tongues and all this other stuff. Man, they're drunk. <laughs> These guys are drunk, but it was only nine in the morning. So it's like Peter stands up at the end of that sermon. Three thousand are converted. Persecution, again, immediately starts. The first martyr, Stephen, he's stoned to death. Saul, who was chasing after all the Christians, he was after imprisoning them, probably killing them, standing witness while they were killed. He was after the church, persecuting the church. He is converted and, and is now called Paul. And he becomes a big powerhouse for the church. Through Peter and the disciples, God has really, has really converted thousands up until this point, to chapter 11, thousands have been converted and is now beginning to reach to the Gentiles. 
The Gentiles meaning like us, like everybody. Everybody that was not just a Jew. And God has been doing great miracles, great healings through the disciples. Now, the reason they were called Christians, the reason they were being treated that way is because they were bringing in this new teaching, this new way of thought, this new way of life. And it was affecting the people around Antioch because they were Greeks. And the Greek have a bunch of gods and goddesses. They're saying, no, 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 no. There's only one God. And Jesus is the only way to get there. And they're preaching this new way of life. So, yeah, they were, they were not just being called Christians. I'm sure they were being called many other things. But it's documented. That's where they first were called Christians. The disciples were called Christians. The second time it's mentioned, is, it's in chapter 26. Chapter 26 of Acts, a few more pages over. Acts 28. <clears throat> Acts 26, 28. And here, Paul is now preaching to Agrippa, a king. He is before a king, and he is presenting the gospel to somebody of that caliber. And he says, in, verse, in chapter 26, verse 28, it says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost, almost persuaded me to, be, to become or be called a Christian. Really? You think I want to be called a Christian? You think I want to be associated with you? No way. I don't want that tag on me. So here, up until this point, now Paul has been falsely accused and he's been imprisoned. And, they, you know, because he was co- supposedly causing commotion among the Jews, they grabbed him, threw him in prison. He pleaded as, hey, wait a minute, I'm Roman too. So he gets the right of a Roman and gets to plead his cause and he gets appeals and he gets all the way to the king. And he's before the king. Before the king, he preaches the gospel and how, what, how Jesus came to him. And he preaches Jesus to the king, has the opportunity to preach to the king. Up until this point, we have established churches. We have, again, explosion of church growth. We have missionary trips, more persecution, but more miracles. Persecution, miracles. They go hand in hand. Keep that in mind. Things have gotten pretty bad, though, for the followers. By this time, the Roman Empire is now starting to attack Christians. And if you look in history, there was a bad guy named Nero in the first and second century that was literally crucifying, burning Christians at the stake, blaming them for stuff they didn't do, accusing them of carnivores that, hey, they're eating their God. Really? Why? Because, you know, in the Lord's Supper, this is my blood, this is my flesh, take it and eat it. They were thinking, holy cow, these guys are, these guys are bad. They're, they're, they're some kind of devils because they're eating their God. They didn't understand the teaching. So they started persecuting them as these weirdos, as these people that, that just don't know any better. They're not like Greeks. They don't have all these gods for these different things. So they were being persecuted. Here the king Agrippa has presented the opportunity of eternal life. He's at the threshold. He's presented the gospel. And he walks away from it. Maybe he has a lot of riches. What keeps us from the gospel? What kept me from the gospel? For 10 years, I had a lady calling me on the phone, asking me. We, that was when caller ID came out. We looked to see if it was her. And, oh, here she comes again. 
And we avoided the call. I said, okay, we'll go to church on Saturday, but we're going clubbing afterwards. And I would tell her that so she'd stop calling, but she wouldn't stop. So we would go to church. And sure enough, my wife and I were ready to go dancing. So we showed up ready to go to the club. And after that, but you know what? Something was beginning to happen. God was beginning to plant a seed in us. And when we came to the point where we had nowhere else to go, we went to that place. And that was a church, seven, church of God seventh day in Floral. And now we're serving God. But this person pushed away from the table and said, no, 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 I don't want to be associated with that. I mean, what am I going to lose? Back then it was my compadres, I had my friends, I had my family. What's my mom going to say? She's red bone Catholic. Man, she's, it's going to be bad. When she finds out that I've turned my back on the Catholic faith, it's going to be bad. Agrippa here is facing that. And I can picture what he's saying. My riches, I have to give to the poor. I have to do all these things. What are, you know, what are my associates are going to say? What are the other kings from other countries going to say? Because I'm now a Christian. I'm associated with these maniacs. And now they're going to call me a Christian. And you know what? That kept me away for 10 years. I heard the gospel when I was 18 years old. And that kept me away. What they would say. What's the world going to say? What's going to happen? What, what am I going to be like? What are they going to call me? And all these things keep us away. I've been in his shoes. I've been in his shoes. I've been in the world. And I didn't want anything to do with Christianity. I knew what was right. I knew that's the right way to go. But what keeps you from the thresh, from crossing that threshold? That God has presented you the gospel, has sent his servant to you, and is presenting the gospel to you, and you're pushing away from it. You're pushing away from it. What keeps you back? Because you know what? Nothing is more important. Nothing is more important than salvation. Hey, you know what? I lost my job. Nothing is more important than salvation. Hey, you know what? I lost custody of my kids. Nothing is more important than your salvation. You know what? I've lost everything. I don't have anywhere to stay. Nothing is more important than your salvation. Nothing is more important than your salvation. Nothing is more important than the truth, the way, and the life of Jesus Christ. Nothing is more important than that. Nothing is worth risking that. But King Agrippa thought, I got a lot to lose. King Agrippa. You imagine how much pleasures he enjoyed, how many things he had. And he turned away from Jesus for the things of this world. The last time that they mention that, it, that the word Christian is mentioned in this, it's in 1 Peter. And I'm sorry, Brother Neff, if I'm going too fast. Let's turn to 1 Peter. It's way on the right over here by Revelation. 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4. It's a small letter written to the Christians of that day. And I want to read one portion, but then I want to step back and read several other chapters, several other verses within that chapter. It says, yet if anyone suffers persecution, salvation, persecution, growth. If anyone suffers as a Christian, again, there's that, hey, you know what, they're calling you, they're calling you an alleluia. They're calling you a, a, a Bible thumper. If anybody suffers as a Bible thumper, let him not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed because they call you by, by a follower of Christ. 
Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory God, him glorify God in this manner. If anybody suffers as a follower of Christ, you are blessed. If you are suffering for the cause of Christ, you are blessed. Let's go back to verse 12. Same chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4, 12, and let's go all the way through 16. Chapter 4, 12 through 16. Beloved, do not think it strange. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. When you become a Christian, you're going to be attacked. When you become a Christian, you're going to go through trials. Don't be surprised. Do not be surprised because you're doing God's will. Now, if you're not doing God's will, you may not be getting any trials. If you're not getting any trials, maybe we need to step back and visit, are we truly a disciple of Christ? Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is, in, which is to try you as though some strange, oh my goodness, why is this happening? You were a follower of Christ. Your fo- the person that you're following was crucified, died, punished, and went through all kinds of humiliations. What should you expect? But rejoice, 13, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Okay, oh, cool. Okay, I'm suffering. I don't think that's easy. I don't think that's easy to just say, oh, cool, right? I'm suffering for Christ. But it says here, be glad and exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. When somebody says glory to God, but they're laughing at it, they're mocking it, that's blasphemy. When you say glory to God from the bottom of your heart because you're glorifying God, you are glorifying God. He is being glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. Okay, you're suffering because I stole this car. You're suffering because I got caught shoplifting. You're suffering because you beat up somebody. Or you did something that was not Christ-like. But let no one suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, as a busybody that talks about people's matters or is involved in gossip. Don't suffer because of that. That's your own consequence. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, there's that tag. Here, Peter is accepting the tag. He says, okay, that's fine. Y'all want to call us Christians? Yes, we are followers of Christ. We're little Christs. That's what we are. So be it. And that's what Peter is saying. Yet if, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed because they're calling you Look at that church iglesia Look, he's going to be all tied up at the church over there. It's okay. Okay, I'd rather be tied up in, the, in things of God and things that have nothing to do with God. I'd rather be involved in things that have to do with God. Yes, please, call me a Christian. Call me a follower of Christ. Fantastic, beautiful, hallelujah, gloria a Dios. Absolutely. 
Yes, I want to be associated with that. And that's what Peter is saying. If you're suffering that, those things and people are calling you all those things and you're taking the judgment from the world, welcome it. Welcome it because you're doing God's will. The disciples, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. In other words, they were disciples before they were Christians. What's a disciple and what's a Christian? A Christian could be anything. In this time and age, a Christian could be the next president of the United States and therefore abortion. The next person, uh, the next president of the United States may call himself herself or herself Christian, but they believe in gay rights. And we could go on and on and on. What is a Christian? The question is, what is a disciple? Are they a disciple of Christ? Because they were disciples before they were Christians. And the question to you is, are you a disciple or are you a generic brand of Christianity? That's the question for us. Not in, now, I'm not saying to you, you can't call yourself a Christian. It's not a bad thing. But are you a disciple first? Don't worry about what the world calls you. Worry that you are a student of Jesus Christ. Worry that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Is he your master? Is he your master? Does he call you his friend? Is Jesus your shepherd? If Jesus is your, if, if you are a disciple of Jesus, then you, do you heed? Do you follow? Do you abide by his teachings? If Jesus is, our master, then do you obey, do I obey, do we obey his commands? If Jesus is our Lord, do we listen to the Holy Spirit when he tells us not to do something or when he tells us to do something? If Jesus is our friend, do we care about the things that hurt him? Do we care about the things that he cares about? If Jesus is our shepherd, do you follow wherever your master goes, wherever your shepherd goes? As a sheep that that is lost without his shepherd, do you go where he goes? Do you go where he sends you? As a prisoner for the for the Lord, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. 1 through 6. Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And here Paul is talking to the church and or the Ephesians in, in, in the church as a prisoner, it says. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort 
Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's easy to call ourselves a follower of Christ. It's easy for us to call ourselves a disciple of Christ. We need to do what Christ has called us to do. It's in the application where we become genuine followers, genuine disciples. Do we have love for one another? Do we have love for the world? Do you have love for those that are calling you Christians or calling you hallelujahs or calling you whatever? Do you have love for them? Enough to, to tell them the truth about the gospel. Love. Do we bear fruit? Is there fruits? Is there, is there a difference in the way I walk in life now than there was before? Is Jesus your priority? Is there something more important than Jesus in your life? Is he your priority? Do you carry your cross daily? Do you, every single day that you wake up, is Jesus your priority in your life? Do you pick up your cross and follow him daily? Luke 14. Luke 14, verse 25. Luke 14, 25 to 35. Now great multitudes went with him, with Jesus. And he turned to said to them, you know, Jesus wasn't very kind at many times. I was like, oh my goodness, this guy's, if I was, if I was following him at the time, I was like, why did you say that? Because he would scare people away. Some of the stuff that Jesus said, if you just go through the Gospels and just read the words in red, you would say, oh my goodness, Jesus, why did you say that? But Jesus was wanting to make sure that he had true followers, true disciples. And here Jesus starts, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. If anyone comes to me, and the word hate is a very harsh word in, in the English language, but what it's saying here is, if anyone loves their parents more and they love me, they're not worthy of me. If they love their children more than they love me, they're not worthy of me. I'm not saying to go hate, because you know what? When you accept Jesus in your heart and you put him first, he multiplies the love for your parents. He multiplies the love for your children. It's a, it's, it's a, a huge love that's just multiplied because Jesus is in your heart. You're not going to disregard your mom. He's not going to tell you to go against the commandment 
of honoring your parents and, and you know, taking and providing for your family. He's just saying he wants to be first. And he has to be first. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. If he doesn't make a choice to follow me every single day, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? You count the cost of following Jesus. Okay, yeah, I'm going to suffer this. I may lose that. Oh, well, Jesus, here I go. Doesn't matter because Jesus comes first. Who that's going to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war doesn't, against another king doesn't sit down first and consider whether they're able to go against that 10,000? 32, or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation. Hey, let's go. Let's work this out. Time out. Let's talk about this. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Are you a Christian? We do. We pick and choose what Jesus wants us to do. Or are we a disciple that follows Jesus command? So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how should it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears, let him hear. Brethren, God is good. God is merciful. God is loving. But God has expectations. Not but, and he has expectations. God wants us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. He wants us, look, he said, that's my son. Listen to what he has to say. That's what God said. So we need to listen to his son. We need to read his word. We need to apply it to our lives. And we need to walk in a way that's worthy of the calling that you have received. You have received a very high calling. When you accepted to be the son of God, you accepted a very high calling. And God first looks at his household before he judges anyone else. He looks at us, makes sure that we are genuine, are we true are we real with him? I, I just ask you to please don't play church. Don't pretend to be something. Be genuine. That's what God, that's what Jesus wants. He wants you to be genuine. Whatever the world says, they say it. Okay, that's fine. Let's look inside. Let's ask ourselves, am I being real? And if you're not, make the adjustment. Today is a great way to start. You're breathing. Your heart is, is pounding in your heart right now. And if, and if you, you know what? I, I haven't really been doing everything correctly. Jesus is right. He does, he, does, he does expect the best. Yes, Jesus is right. He wants me to be honest with him. If you haven't been totally honest with him, will you do that today? 
Will you commit your life today to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, okay? I, I lost focus. I've been involved in worship so long, and I just, you know, I just get caught up with the worship. Or I've been involved so much in these other things in the work of the church that I lost focus on what you expect from me. If that's you today, why don't you come forward? And I'll ask Frankie to please pray. Brother Jim, come forward. And they'll pray for you. And let's, let's have a fresh start. Let's have a new start. Let's be real with God. Let's be real with Jesus. And let, let's, let's say, you know what? I want to I I do this over. I want to do over. I want a clean slate. Well, it, it, it's there for you. God is so merciful that if we haven't gotten it right and we've been doing it wrong, it's okay to come forward and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to do it that way. Let me, let, give me another chance. You're alive today. You're, how does, you're ready. You're ready to start over. I ask you, and God is calling you today, come forward. Let's start clean. Let's start over. Let's get a new handshake. That's fine, mijo. Come on. It's okay. I'm I'm with open arms. I'm waiting for you. Please come to me. Yes, that's what I want. I want you to be genuine. I want you to be real. I want you to be true. And you know what? I'm the first one down here. I'll be the first one to say, I need Jesus. I need a new handshake. I need to start over. Uh, Jesus, please forgive me. I want to be real.